You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I am Dave Griffiths. Mike Chappell is here alongside me. And Joe Hopkins on the board as well. Roto Street Joe at mchappell51 at DaveG underscore sports. We are the at Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. And guys, anytime you're talking about a Thursday night game, which the Colts have this week, it starts with the injury report. It always does, no matter if it's early in the season, end of the season. Now that we're getting into the second half of the season, there just seems to be more bumps and bruises every Thursday night football game for any team that's playing in it. And the Colts injury report this week was uh, as long as uh, Joe's Christmas wish list. It was it was quite extensive, Mike. The only issue is with, with these short turnarounds, they they don't really practice Monday, Tuesday, it's walkthroughs. And if you've got anything, you don't practice. Uh, th- this is one where they really try to give these guys that the, the time they don't normally have. Again, players are used to having Monday and really Tuesday to recoup, and then you practice Wednesday, and now it's, it's none of that. So the only thing that, that, I, that I would take away from this is, is Pierre Desir was out there for the walkthroughs, whatever they're doing. Uh, Marlon Mack was not. T.Y. Hilton's been doing things on the side. And beyond that, what they've already ruled out, Mac, they've ruled out Kari Willis. And I think you're going to see a couple more. This, this could be one where you're down several players. Rock you seen with, I believe it's an ankle. And again, with all these injuries, you, you get you get lost in who's got what. Devin Funches, I don't think they activate him. So, you know, it, it'll come down to next week. He's either activated or, he, stay, or he stays on right. IR. But on this game, it's just it's such a quick turnaround. These players have to change everything as far as recouping, and I will. I just there, there's no way that Kahari Willis can go through protocol. It's, you don't have time. You just don't have days for the steps. The interesting one's going to be T.Y. Hilton. He talked yesterday, uh, and it was boxes. You've got to check the boxes. <laughs> and but when listening to T.Y. Hilton. The four, he said four boxes. It seemed like there's three. There's T.Y. Hilton's box. There's one for the trainers, doctors, and then there's one for Frank Reich slash Chris Ballard. And, and maybe he gives both of those guys their own box. No, it, it, no. It's, it's like there, it's there was two for T.Y. One, <laughs> one I'm practicing, and, and two I feel pretty good, and then the other one, the other guy. So he made it very clear that he's checked his boxes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's up to, he, he said the other two boxes are the ones who have the say so. And the big one's going to be, I think, Frank and, and Chris Ballard. And the one thing that I went back and looked a couple of weeks ago, and, and Frank Reich has always, always said, you always listen to players when it comes time to injuries and playing. You give them weight, and you give T.Y. Hilton more weight. Calls him a freakish healer. Have you done enough, this was asked of T.Y., on the side to be ready to play? You haven't needed to practice in the past. And, of course, T.Y. echoes, I don't need to practice, which we saw last year. We, we need to have the Allen Iverson practice. practice. We're talking practice. T.Y. says, I don't need to practice. It's just how my body feels. When I feel good and all the boxes are checked, then I'll go. If three of the four boxes are checked, I'm not playing. All four have to be checked for me to play. And, of course, it is well documented, T.Y. Hilton's history in Houston. At Reliant, NRG, whatever you call it, stadium, it might as well be T.Y. Hilton Stadium, South. His second home. Three of his biggest uh, games have been against at Houston. 
including the top two. Was it 223 and 199? And there was a 173 or 177 in there. So it's funny where he calls it his second home. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember which player. Was it Jonathan Joseph or somebody said that's clownish? Clownish behavior. And that's, and, and that's yeah. when we got the clown mask. We love the clown mask. Going into the playoffs last year. so And, and that was real, so out of character for T.Y. Very much to so. Do. So uh, it just shows that they, they do pay attention. And it, it's it's T.Y., t- you know, with T.Y., without T.Y., they're 1-7. They finally won a game without him. Hey, woo! Last week. And now you're going to have, hopefully, I, I think T.Y. plays. We'll, we'll find out. I think it'll be game time decision. There, there was a bag in front of his locker, so he will make the trip. I just think that from what he said, he he, he will play. We asked him about the risk of, inj- of aggravating. He, he sort of said, like, no, if I'm ready to play, I'm ready to play. Right. Uh, and what's interesting is this happened October 30th on a Wednesday. Uh, so it was, it was like three three weeks ago yesterday. And he thought his season was over. He he just uh, his initial reaction was uh, th- this is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they said three to four weeks, so he's on the short side of three to four weeks. And getting him back would be monster, just because uh, th- this was Jacob was it just Jacoby Brissett's biggest passing game, uh, the first time. Yeah, three hundred yeah. plus three hundred plus yards. Three hundred plus four touchdowns. AFC offensive player right. of the week. All that stuff. Right. Joe's got the stats. He does. And, and, but with, without him, it's it's just a it's a struggle passing without Ty because he allows you to do so much. That they're gonna if he plays. Although they've not. It's funny we say if if he plays, Houston will do what they can to take him out of the game. Which they've never done, right? We he keeps saying that every year. It's like, well, t- they've got to slide their coverage, they got sure. to double him, the triple him. He always gets open. It, 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 it it's, doesn't matter. It's the Bill Belichick thing of you. You, you notice the the one guy, and it's Ty, and you make somebody else beat you. And with Romeo Cornell, they they just have never done that. Or if they've done it, if they've tried it, they've done a really poor job. But getting him back would be massive in the passing game. But then you lose. Marlon Mack with, with a fractured hand. I was going to say, if there's any one week you need to keep T.Y. out of beating you, it's this week without Marlon right. Mack. And, and it's funny, we had a quick discussion. I was shot down in the press room yesterday. And I thought, you know, maybe in this game, in this game, Marlon Mack might be more important only because of what they can, what they would like to do in the running game. And I, I was shot down. But what what you have to see, they're 1-5 in five without Marlon Mack. They've lost five straight without him. And in his 36 games playing, the Colts have averaged 120 yards a game. That's pretty good. Rushing, yes. Rushing. And in the sixth game without him, it's 76 yards a game. And that's not good enough. No, that's what, what 45 they have yards the, difference. What they have in the, in, in the first game, was it 60, 60, 62 rushing yards yep. in the first game? You, you just him. can't go into Houston and, and do that. I think it was in, in the playoffs last year, they ran for 100. And was it Mack ran for 148, I believe? A Colts playoff record. Colts playoff by Barna Mack. I mean, in, yeah. in a team that, that's had, you know, Hall of Fame running backs and all that. But you you've, you have to go out there and, and establish the running game. Can you do it with Jordan Wilkins and Jonathan Williams? We'll see. I mean, Jonathan Williams was a great story last week. Thir- uh, 13 carries for 119 yards, I think it was. Finally, Chris Ballard is strutting through the hallways on West 56th Street he's saying, told, I told you he's so. He's told us for a year and a half. I told you that, that Chris he, Ballard. He, he's banged the drum for Jonathan Williams and George Odom. And we're seeing why George Odom's playing pretty well. 
But up until up until uh, last Sunday, Jonathan Williams had 95 career rushing yards, and he just kind of goes off, and they, they're going to need that again. Uh, let's see here. The Colts' defense that first time against Houston um, was not the best. Um, it Almost 400 yards. Gave up nearly 400 yards. The key, really, in that game, Mike, was the first half where they held him to field goals. They got in the red zone time after time after time against the Colts' defense, which was without Malik Hooker in that game. Hooker will be back, but now he's, Kari Bullis. He's really playing well. Yes, he is. And 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 I've noticed also, Mike, that um, it appears, at least from this year to past years, Matt Eberflus is using him slightly differently. I see him in the box more. I see him up at the line of scrimmage Laying making the plays wood more. On people. Yeah, and I didn't know that that was part of his game, or at least a... Uh, Whatever ability he had, he was he was the free safety. He was right. the the guy in the center Clayton field. Gathers was was the was the box safety, right? And but now Malik Hooker is showing that he can be up there and mix it up just as well as any of the cold safeties, really. And we were talking the last the last four games, uh, the defense has really stepped up its game. Frank Reich mentioned, you know, it's legit. It's one of the best defenses in the league, and, and it's the last four games, two hundred seventy yards, a game that's giving up only five touchdowns. 19 of 55 on third down conversions for the opponents. They're, they're running games. They're, they're, they're keeping people about 80 yards a game. The, prop, the, the issue is that they've not seen a quarterback during this stretch like they're going to see Thursday. Right. Uh, Deshaun Watson is, when you list the top five quarterbacks in the league, he's one of them, and you can you know arrange him however you want. Uh, he's a little banged up with an ankle. Uh, he, he, he'll He'll – bring his game, he and DeAndre Hopkins. But this defense is playing really well. It's playing really well against the run. It's got – it's kind of a crazy stat, but they've not allowed a 100-yard rusher in 28 games mm-hmm. uh, regular season, which is second longest in the league. And they're they're getting healthy. If Pierre does here comes back, they're getting healthy. Keep in mind that this defense, it's starting to do – and it could get blown out of the water on Thursday – but it's starting to do what it did last year, where it kind of started off slow and got its act together. And it, that's the case this year. Remember the the people they've lost. You've had Jabal Sherrod miss three or four games. Hooker's missed three games. Darius Leonard missed three games. Desir's missed a handful of games. And on top of that, you're incorporating four or five rookies into the not, – not just bit time, but, but playing, mm-hmm. serious time. So it, it's really encouraging – and again, with that, I, I, I hate, hate to keep coming back to, to know Marlon Mack, but you've got to have this defense keep a short reign on on Watson because I don't know that they can get into a shooting match with Houston. And really, it comes back to where we kind of started the show today, which was injuries and exactly who's going to play on uh, on Thursday Night Football. Broadcast on Fox 59 in Central Indiana, 8 p.m. kickoff, but tune in at 7.30 p.m. Nice for... The Colts Blue Zone pregame show leading you right up to national coverage there at eight o'clock. Um, we, we mentioned Malik Hooker's back. Kari Willis not going to make it because you just can't get through the NFL's concussion Correct. protocol in a short week. So he's out. Uh, Rock Yassine did not participate in practice Monday or Tuesday out there in the walkthroughs. Um, uh, and we said Pierre Desir more on the questionable side. He was out there limited. This, this, so, this is where they're going to, I hate to say have to, but Quincy Wilson. I mean, <laughs> He's he's got to play. He he's he's been an inactive, yeah, he- healthy a couple of times. And then he had his shoulder in practice, but he's got to step up and play and, and and be the guy that early in the year he was playing decent before he did whatever to get on the in the doghouse or not practice well, whatever it was. But mm-hmm. 
this is all hands on deck because, again, they're, they're going to be down in the secondary right now. Uh, the Texans on the other side of the ball, they have their own injury issues, of course, themselves. It's the same short week for them. J.J. Um, uh, Watt, of course, if you are unaware, I think we've talked about this even before on, on the podcast, is he's out for the season. He's done yet torn, again. Torn pectoral. Is, the, is this the third time in four years? Third time in four years. That he's, he's right. Out for the year. So he had three tackles and one pass defense. Uh, against the Colts in week Six seven. Six quarterback hits. Yeah, that's the other stat that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. You know, it was not just the three tackles and one pass defended. He was in the backfield quite a bit. Frank Reich said after that game that he went back and watched the, the video, he said, I guess I forgot to ha- what kind of an impact <laughs> he had. Six quarterback hits. Right. Pretty impressive. It is. Um, the Texans also on the other side of the ball, they have their rookie right tackle, Titus Howard, back in the lineup. Likely he was limited in their practices Monday and Tuesday. Howard did not play in the Colts' Week 7 win over the Texans. Uh, Wide receiver Will Fuller, Notre Dame pride, a game-time decision with his hamstring. He left the Week 7 game on the very first drive and uh, missed the last three games. Uh, Quarterback Deshaun Watson twisted his ankle against Baltimore while he was sacked six times by that Ravens front, but it doesn't sound like there's any problem with him at all. He was a full participant in practice Monday and Tuesday. You would expect that uh, Watson will be back in the lineup for sure. The question is, is he as mobile as he is at his best, perhaps? Um, He's he's been sacked 31 times this year. That's incredible. That's a lot. We're just a bit more than halfway through the season. So what, you're on pace for 50-55 probably throughout the whole year? It's three a game, so it's three times six with my Ball State uh, education. That's 48, right? Yeah. Fourth most uh, in the league right now among quarterbacks. So that just keeps happening. With, uh, with Houston. They have a slightly depleted secondary as well. Uh, Justin Reed had a concussion. They're starting safety against Baltimore, as we've said, with Kari Willis. Not going to be able to make through pro- protocol. Uh, Tashawn Gibson has a back injury. He's missed two of the last three games. He's their other starting safety. Safety Mike Adams, not expected to play. He got a concussion in pregame warm-ups. Yeah, ouch. I mean, what are you doing, banging heads hit, hit, hit against the wall or whatever? But uh, Pulling a Gus Ferrat there, there you go. in the That's end right. zone. I still remember that game because I think, like, I had just picked up Gus Farad on my fantasy team. I was playing fantasy football all the way back then. Didn't he sprain his neck or something, something like that? On he it? was actually having a pretty good year. And, like, I was pulling him in for, like, a backup role or a spot start or something. I don't remember exactly. But, yeah, he goes there and sprains his neck, and he's never the same quarterback after that. So that's why I always remember that incident. I'm that's sure. Why, that's why I don't do that. That's right. I'm sure Joe has the same things, too, like fantasy things that, like, they stick out in your mind because of just, like, one or two weeks in the past or guys that you love or guys that you hate. Uh, for that same reason. But anyway, that's that's my Gus Farratt fantasy football story. But um, starting cornerback Bradley Roby, a game-time decision with his hamstring. He did not play in Week 7. He's missed the last four games. Cornerback uh, Lonnie Johnson, a rookie, has questionable with an ankle. He did not participate in their practice Monday or Tuesday. So like I said, like this, this goes both ways right now with both the Colts and the Texans trying to fight through these injuries. And the NFL does not care. No, they don't. But you, you know why? Because there's going to be ratings and money. That's and, right. And, Correct. That's right. And again, and again people I, are going to watch on Fox 59. I, I saw a story where, night where they're, they're inching closer and closer to a 17-game season. Yep, saw that. And they'll have, what, another bye week. And interesting thing, we'll get away from this for a minute. And the yeah, interesting yeah. thing is, is the, the proposal includes the possibility of that, that ninth game being like a, a road game to where there'll be X number of games, you know, maybe eight games in London mm-hmm. or whatever, or, or neutral sites. So, again, it's about money. It's about how can we generate more revenue. And, and that's why this Thursday night thing, some really, really good matchups, but it's just so I, – I just don't think the average fan – first, I'm not sure the average fan cares. Mm-hmm. But they don't understand 
what these players go through every Sunday and what it takes to get back to where you can do it again. Again, Monday and Tuesday are sort of recoup days to to let your body get over the the 60 collisions you had on Sunday. And and it's just difficult, Uh, even even without an injury that you're dealing with, an ankle or knee, whatever. It's just the general wear and tear to get back for Thursday – but the league don't care. Like like the adage says, football is not a contact sport. It's a collision sport. Right. And, and there are violent men colliding with one another over and over Every and over play, again. Every play, if you're a running, whatever position, uh, linemen, running backs, linebackers, you're, you're hitting every play, and, and it just it's the cumulative effort, and it uh, hits, and it just takes a toll, and you need X number of days to get over it. And that brings in to streaks, especially I think guys on the offensive and defensive line, their streaks are, are the most impressive. Like a guy like Quentin Nelson, who hadn't missed a snap in his career until last week. Frank Reich. Oh, he was he, so, he that. so upset that he had to bring him out. in 10 years, maybe Quentin Nelson, is, who, it was Joe, Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas, yes, exactly. Was it like 10,000 snaps? Some stupid number of snaps and, that he and, never and, missed. Right, and, and now it, it's not like you can make it up. So Quentin Nelson has, has now missed a snap because of a, I guess you call it a technicality. Yeah. He, he's, he's eligible for a play, and if you're eligible for a play, you have to come out the next play. Mm-hmm. So here we're looking at the fourth down play, and there's Quentin on the sideline. Yeah. You got Joe Higg at left guard. They could have put him in at fullback again, couldn't they? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. They they could have. Have yes, they that. could have. But, but, but that, it wouldn't have been the play they wanted to run. Yeah. Right. So the problem with running Quentin Nelson at fullback is he can't run behind Quentin Nelson, the left guard. Right. So it, it's counterproductive. You get Joe Higg, the left guard, who is a serviceable at pretty, that pretty or, good player, or more backup. Yeah. But, but, but it defeats the purpose, it's and, and, and it's funny. One of the one of the biggest storylines coming out of that game was the keg stand. Oh, which the keg stand. Th- this is it's. I think it probably was generational because I didn't know what the hell it was. <laughs> I just didn't. I did. Yeah, And Quentin Nelson did too. Yes. Oh, it, yes. It's, it was very clear that Quentin Nelson has much experience <laughs> on uh-huh. on keg stands. Yes, he did. But it, 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 in the history, the play never happened. Or the, the the celebration never happened. Mm-hmm. So and it made it sound like because Frank said, "Well, he won't be back there again." We'll see. Truly sad. We'll see. Hey, you're true. That's right. Two times is enough. Very sad day. Uh, back to the Colts' last defeat of Houston in Week Seven. Uh, right now, the reason we we touched on it as well earlier, but I want to get into it a little bit more was the reason really that they beat the Texans was the passing game. I mean, it wasn't as much the rushing attack. Marlon Mack only forty four yards in that game. Um, and the Colts threw for 326. Jacob Brissett was the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Um, if you remember back to that game, Mike, and I'm, I'm sure you do, and Joe, you will as well, that the, the way they torched the Texans' secondary, which was a banged-up secondary then, as it is now, was crossing routes. Over and over again, we saw T.Y. Hilton, we saw Zach Paschal, we saw Eric Ebron running across the field, one side to the other, 5, 10, 15 yards down the road, with a member of the Texans secondary trailing two trailing yards behind him. him. Two yards behind him. Zach two Paschal, yards six him. catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns. We so love Zach Paschal that week. Well, we it, always love Zach right. Paschal. But. And, and again, T.Y. six for 74 touchdown, Ebron four for 70. It, and again, it just sort of, again, exemplifies when T.Y. plays, mm-hmm. there's, there's just there's more. There are just more opportunities. Because you even if, if he plays, again, I think he does, He's probably going to be on some kind of a pitch count, I would think. I can't imagine throwing him out there. He's not, he's practiced. He's not practiced. 
his last practice was 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 the one that he got hurt in. But I would think you would sort of maybe ease him back in, and maybe not. Maybe I'm just crazy. And they're going to play him fifty plays. But the, while while we've not seen it, one thing we need to keep in mind: he's not practiced. But we don't see what he's been doing on the side, right? And I'll bet they've been you know, at, at some point the last couple of days they've really, really tested that calf as much as you can, not being in a game. Mm-hmm. So to simulate hard cuts, acceleration, and, and all that, they want to know as as much as they can: is it ready? And again, that's where you just make a, I guess, an educated guess or whatever that yes, it's ready. But again, him in the lineup. If he's not getting the ball, he's getting attention, which opens things up for everybody else. And the Texans' defense is exploitable against the pass. They have allowed the fourth most passing yards per game this year, more than 270 yards per game through the air. Uh, they have only maybe racked- maybe that's why their their run defense is as is as good as it is as people, people keep throwing on them. People aren't running the ball much yeah, on them. It's true. Um, I think Marlon had like he had like 18 carries for 40 something yards in that first game, so he didn't run that well. He had opportunities, but but that that shows you that shows you the Colts' commitment to run the ball. It did, it, yes. It's 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 kind of, some some of that's I'd have to go back and look too. Right, whether, I would too. Whether he had in the fourth quarter when you're sort of milking it, and they have an eight nine and, man and, box, and, and the poor running back knows yeah. he's going to get smoked. Mm-hmm. But that's what you need to do, and and sometimes. It's yes, you want the yards. I mean, last week with the two hundred yard rushes, of course, but sometimes it's that commitment to run, even when it's not going the way you want it to. Want it to. You have to keep trying. Now there gets to the point where you're. Just, I remember Peyton Manning used to say, "You don't want to waste plays." Right. You get like sixty in the game. You don't want to waste twelve of them. But I think they're really going to try. They, you know, you listen to Frank, and and it's. We've had coaches say things, and you and you roll your eyes at them. You just. You don't believe it. You don't think they believe it, so you don't believe it. Frank Reich says we we believe in and have confidence in our running backs. And again, he's talking Jonathan Williams, all of them, Jordan Wilkins, who's missed he missed the last game with an ankle, and Naheem Hines. And what they're going to do until Houston proves proves they can is it's going to be, you know, the running game will be in the hands of uh, Wilkins and Williams, and Naheem Hines will still be that. Little tricky guy mm-hmm. who does things. They 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 say they like him in the run game. He ran for a touchdown last week. He has three. I, I he did. Yeah. But his what's he averaging? Uh, three yards a carry. It's not great. It's not great. And, and Wilkins is is almost six. But but it's in limited. It's in limited use. Yep. So uh, Heinz averaging three point one on mm-hmm. just twenty five attempts. Right. Williams. Uh, Wilkins, I mean, six point one on twenty seven. So he's been efficient when he's gotten up. But how many how many receptions does does it's like second on the team? Hines, yeah, he's got thirty receptions, um, averaging eight yards per catch. He's on pace, I believe, to eclipse Edron James with the most running back receptions in his first two years. So again, that's his value. Get get him out in space and let him let him kind of work over linebackers, but. I, I think this is really going to be a Wilkins-Williams running game. So do you get the feeling that Wilkins is going to be able to return for this game? Yes. Oh, he told he told us he would. He, he thought he could, could go last week. And, again, I realize the worst person to listen to on injuries is a player. But I tell you, Jordan Wilkins' biggest fan is Jordan Wilkins. I mean, and, and it sounds kind of crazy, but he really, he really wants to be involved. He, he believes he can be the guy that when – when uh, Marlon's out. out, that he can kind of help pick up the slack, and he has. 
he, he's been a, they're, they're sort of different runners. Max more patient, looking for holes and letting things develop. And Wilkins is more of a, let's go, let's go, let's get it up the field. And he's had, he's had three or four pretty good runs. I mean, big runs. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, I think they'll, they'll be okay. I just want to see if they, if they can sort of compensate for not having Mac, who's top four or five rushing in the league. I'll be interested to see if Paris Campbell plays. He was out there in limited fashion on Monday. I think and Tuesday. we're a week away. You still think so? He told us last week that uh, he had the he, abdominal procedure, right? Was no, no, that, this is the, this is the fractured hand. Excuse me. Yeah, uh, fractured, I, I'm going. I'm looking way too earlier. far back. Yeah, I was really he, He's had uh, two surgeries in the last couple of months. One was he had the the hernia, and then is that a procedure or a surgery? I don't know. Well, the hand looked like a surgery to me. It looked like it looked like he's got a football with with the laces. That was his right hand, and he told us he's pointing towards the uh, Tennessee game, which would mean three games. Yeah. So you sort of kind of kind of look at Marlon Max. Are we talking three games? And people think think it's just a hand. No, you hold the football with yeah. your hand. That, that's ball security. And the last thing you want is to have your running back. It's his go to hand. And it's his go to hand. Right, Correct. Right hand. I I tell you, for people who listen. If you dial up that play, the twenty yard run, which I, I have, I want tell me where where did he break his hand? I, I don't see it. I have no earthly idea. It. I don't think it was in that play. I, I, I agree. I think it's earlier. Yeah. And, and then it just flared. something happened, right? Because he he didn't he didn't really say that he broke it on that play. He said that's, he felt that's it. when he felt it on that play. Yeah. But if you watch, I mean, he runs and he sort of almost stiff arms somebody, then he doesn't. And there's a little bit of contact going out of bounds, and yet he's slapping hands with fans with his left with hand. With his other hand. But then he, the he, fans he, broke Marlon Max. No. I was about to say, no, 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 no. He automatically no, no. reaches for his right hand, yes. and then a teammate sort of. So I, I, I agree. I think it happened a little before that. But th- this is, th- this is it's, it's not a knee, it's not a hamstring that, that's really crippling to a running back, but it's a hand, and. Got to hold on to the football. Dr. Mike and Dr. Dave giving our opinions on this. But uh, yeah, for uh, for running backs and wide receivers, we're talking Marlon Mack, Paris Campbell with their fractured hands. The hands are are rather important. And one one thing is, Frank Reich said they've not really discussed IR for Mack, which until you really, really need a roster spot and you're really convinced that that he can't be ready for late December or January, uh, you you keep him on the roster because, again, Paris Campbell said three three weeks probably, and that's if that's what with Marlon Mack, then we're talking three or four games that he's still got a chance to play. Yeah. Three games probably had a chance to play. So there's there's no reason to, no. to even think about IR, no. like Frank said, not not even a consideration right now. Uh, Texans on offense, as we know, all about Deshaun Watson. If if they can keep him healthy and upright and uh, moving around, then you're in a lot of trouble. If they can't, then they're in a lot of trouble. That's they, kind of what it comes these down. These guys to. have done a pretty good job of of keeping him. Contained in the running game or in the scramble game, we've talked about this before. That was one of the pluses of bringing in a Darius Leonard and all these guys. I mean, if you watch the Colts' defense, they're fast, mm-hmm. they close, and that's Darius Leonard. I can still remember Chris Ballard mentioning, yeah, in the past, you know, Watson kind of gets out and hurts you. Now Darius Leonard keeps. A twenty-yard possible gain to seven or eight yards, and and that's what you want. It's a lot different than uh, old Colts linebackers. I'm trying to rack my brain, like Antonio Morrison running after uh, Deshaun Watson. Terrell Freeman, even. I mean, uh, he, he was a quality linebacker, but it, of course, that was probably before Deshaun Watson's time. Yeah. And yeah, Antonio Morrison. Yeah, that's 
John Bostick trying to trying Correct. to run down a Deshaun Watson just just wasn't working, and uh, now you got yourself a Darius back there. You got Bobby Okereke who I've seen out on the field quite a bit. And the past Darius Leonard is really getting back to his his game. It was kind of funny. I think he had five tackles last week because mm-hmm. everybody else on the perimeter was playing so well. But uh, like we said, they're really getting healthy on on, on defense in key positions. Haven't even mentioned Justin Houston. We haven't yet. You know, Houston, you have a problem, hmm. and his name is Houston. He's got eight eight sacks, uh, six straight games with a sack, which ties his second per- most. Well, it, 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 it ties his his, it ties his most in season. Okay, he has won uh, an eight game streak, which was the last six games of uh, fourteen and the first two games of fifteen. And went back and looked at it. Th- this is like the third longest streak in Colts history. Freeney had a nine-game streak uh, back in the day, and Mathis had a couple of eight-game sack streaks. So this is what you brought him here for. Here's what uh, Frank Reich had to say about Justin Houston this week, his impact. And uh, Frank says, definitely he's in a groove. You can feel his confidence, and uh, you could always feel that. But I just think now we all know the production and the stats that he brought here, and I don't care what you brought here when you go to a new team as great as he has played in his past and in his career, once you start doing what he's been doing on the field and getting production, I think it even takes you to the next step as far as leadership and confidence. I think we are experiencing that with Justin. You went into that a little bit online, right, on Fox59CBS4.com, right. a little piece on Justin this week. And Because if, if you notice, they always show up pregame. After they have their, their pregame workouts and all that, the defense comes up and has their little, little powwow. mosh, and he's the one that leads it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that seems like a minor thing, but normally that's a guy who's been here. It, it's Anthony Walker or Darius or Clinton Gathers or somebody. It, it, it's sort of unusual for a, a free agent to come in and so quickly command the room. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny, we always joke with, with in the media that we get Justin on Thursdays. And he's not a great interview. Not the best, no. But, but, like, but like Frank Reich said, when he talks, people listen. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. You want to. There, there's so many guys in this league that just yap. They they just love to hear themselves talk. And then you got Justin Houston that just sort of goes about his business. And again, they, they he was one of their targets off season. They need. You know, we talked about this in the off season. They needed a pass rusher, and they got the guy who who was let go because of Kansas City changing their scheme. And he's come in and been exactly exactly what they wanted. Now, if this continues, he's, you know, I think Chris Ballard told us that he thought he could be a double-digit sack guy, and you sort of, okay, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Well on his way. And it's just it's unfortunate that, that they lost Kamoko Ture because they, he was really feeding off of Justin Houston. But uh, the pass rush has picked up, and we'll see if, if, if this continues against Houston because, again, you simply cannot let Watson sit there. Not sit there because he moves around so mm-hmm. much. You can't let him make make plays when, when maybe they're not there and finish the deal on sacks. And in Houston, six wins this year. Watson and just the passing game, they're averaging 282 yards through the air right now. Uh, let's see, close to three total touchdowns. And Watson only has a half a turnover per game in those six wins. So only three turnovers in those six wins. And then there's last week <laughs> where you, you just wonder. I've always mentioned that Jacksonville's that tease where you think maybe they're going to be something. Houston's kind of been that way too. They're in position to really do something, and that was going to be a statement game in Baltimore, and they just got rolled. And it may it may tell us how good Baltimore is mm-hmm. and how good Lamar Jackson is. 
But uh, this is another chance for Houston to make a statement Thursday night primetime against their rivals. I think I went back and looked, and the Colts have won four straight in Houston, I believe it is, including two critical games, December and January, Yep, with everything on the line. And so the Colts, they, they play well down there. Uh, they, they won't be the least bit in awe or, or overwhelmed by the moment. And the one thing I've really been impressed with, by and large, Reich has and his staff have these guys ready to go. And again, Eberflus is getting his defense to play at a high level with missing players here and there. So mm-hmm. really interested to see how this thing plays out. One thing that uh, Frank uh, added about Thursday night games this week, just about trends, whether it's a short week, lack of preparation, whatever you have. And Frank says, the trend that I have felt and experienced is a good trend offensively. And I think he said that last year when they had a Thursday night game, too. He said sometimes... I think it was Frank that uh, those short weeks can ten- can be good for the offense. Um, I think he indicated you can read on, but I, I think it's kind of like you, you you sort of go back to the basics mm-hmm. and you don't try to do way too much. You just sort of kind of simplify what you're doing. Yeah, a lot of times this is Frank. What happens is you have less time, uh, so you tend to focus on basic things, um, keep it simple, and you're reminded that those things actually work. That's why they're the basics, right? That that was me. Now now back to Frank. Uh, that's why they're in there. It is like you go back to week one game plan stuff. You still do a few nuanced things and stuff like that, but that has been a lot of my experience. So it's kind of it's more so of a vanilla offense. I, I I hate to use the word vanilla because there's no, there's uh, no vanilla. There, I, I don't yeah, think he's NFL got vanilla offense. in his game. No, it, neither do I. Frank. It, yeah, but, and, and this will be a, this is this is when you want moving forward. This is what your strengths to be strengths, and that's the offensive line. It, it just yeah. is. And we're going to find out so many times that the debate is, does a great running back make a make the line better or does a, does a great line make the running game better? We're going to find out. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, not to diminish Marlon Mack at all, mm-hmm. at all. Because it's, it's amazing that his career sort of took off. It's all coincided that he really took off and the running game has been where, where it's been since like week six last year. when The Oakland game? Yeah, uh, Buffalo. Well, maybe Buffalo, Buffalo game after first. that, or whichever it, one. Yeah. But it's when everybody got together. It's when Costanzo comes back. It's mm-hmm. when Braden Smith went to right tackle. They put Glowinski at right guard because of injury, and that's when the game really took off. They've had four, yeah, four two hundred yard rushing games in that stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether they can still do that, whether this line can do what it needs to do, so that Williams. I'm not saying Williams is going to go. 13 for 119. Right. But they can't have him go 15 for 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, it needs to be a competent running game because they're, they're going to, I tell you, for at least for a half, they're going to stick with it because they don't want to get into where uh, they're exposing Jacoby Brissett to the pass rush. Even without Watt, it's, this is still a quality defense. So I'm really interested, one, in, in, in T.Y.'s availability and, and his effectiveness, mm-hmm. but more so. Ha- can they can they run the ball well enough? I think they're. It's funny. I, I've got. I, we've talked. I've had this running dialogue with Frank Reich about a top five running game. We've got a lunch bet on it, and uh, I said it's not going to happen because you're you're not going to. This was back in the when Luck was still in the picture. Right. You're not going to. You can't run that much when you right. have twelve under center. Right. right? You, you, you're right. You 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 have to because they've always been like sixty forty mm-hmm. with luck, and now it's I don't know fifty two forty eight. And I never even with Brissett, I never envisioned that much. And again, what 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 I should have thought about when I made the bet with him is that he's got the playbook. <laughs> so he, so he's, he's he's got so, the headset. He he, he can sort of <laughs> skew things. 
But right now they're fourth. Uh, I believe they're fourth in the league in rushing. Mm-hmm. And I think if you if you really put his feet to the fire, he would have been okay with a top ten running game, which I think is fine. Mm-hmm. It's been better than that. They need to get away from two hundred one week and then. 85, or, or it, it needs to kind of level out. What were they averaging? 141 a game, I think it is. Yeah. And, and it just needs to level out. And that's why I want to see, can this offensive line do do what it's done for Marlon Mack to, to make Wilkins and Williams and Hines uh, legitimate? And, and you posed the question, Mike. It's uh, does, does a great running back make a great offensive line right. or the other way around? I, I think the answer to that question is yes. Uh, I mean, you 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 look back at I think the one the one group that so many people, at least when I was growing up, um, point to is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you had Emmett Smith and then you had their offensive line and I could run for four yards to carry behind right. Larry Allen right there if, if necessary. But uh, but nevertheless, it, it is it, it's a both. And and I think that some people try to say one or the other. It, the answer is just yes. And uh, that's something that that you have to have to live with. And well, and the one thing the line needs to do, it needs to pick up is pass protection. Mm-hmm. It, it's been a little bit leaky. Uh, and, and, you know, Costanzo had a couple of bad plays against, um, um, screw up his name. Yannick and Gakwe. Number, number 91. They, they got lucky, lucky yes. on that one play. I saw him coming around the edge from the press box, and I was like, oh, yep. bad the, word. The fumble. Yes, exactly, on that play. That right. I don't. I still don't know how Mark Lewinsky got that ball right. at the bottom of that scrum. Some 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 things are uh, best left un, unimagined. Right. What goes on at the bottom of scrums? Well, and and into Brissett will be another week removed from from the sprained knee, and he he. I'm sure he didn't have quite the mobility he wanted last week. Mm-hmm. Although he's still his ability to shrug off sacks is incredible. It is. Uh, I think that speaks to his, his strength. And I still say, for for a guy who I think is very athletic, he's not very fast. He, he, he didn't he have what, what, what was his uh, touchdown run? Was it six or seven yards this past game? Something like that. And it's it's like it's like the scene from Chariots of Fire when you're running in sand. <laughs> but he gets it, and we make fun of it. But he he just brings the type of escapability you need in the quarterback. Having said that, the, the the pass protection needs to pick up a bit. Well, Houston's one of the worst ter- teams in terms of sacks in the NFL. Six fewest, just twenty two on the year. So this is a decent get right game for the Colts' pass protection. Can you look up how many sacks they've had the past couple games, Joe? Because I'm curious to see how many they've had without JJ Watt. Like if it's remarkably skewed one way. Well, or they've the other. played. It's the last two games. It's Jacksonville and it's uh, Baltimore. So it's only been two games without JJ. Okay, yeah. Well, well, Baltimore is obviously it's it's pretty tough to bring down Lamar Jackson just because I mean it's not like Jacoby Brissett shrugging off tackles. It's guys trying to touch him and get nothing, getting nothing but they, air. They had to put some some hurt on on Minshew because yeah. Jacksonville went away from him and went back to Foles they after, did. after their bye week. Yeah. So um, while Joe's looking that up. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier their their stats in the six win. Uh, no, uh, their stats in the six wins through the air. I, the, their four losses, the Texans. This is on the offensive side of the ball. They have like sixty fewer yards passing, uh, one and a half fewer touchdowns per game, and another turnover per game. So it, it, it comes down turnover. to yeah, yeah, it comes down to it comes down to stopping Watson on that side of the ball. Did you look up that number uh, yet, Joe? Let's see. I got the sex here. They had four against Jacksonville. It's not surprising, like you said. You kind of had to put a. Hurt down. And Minshew's kind of a scrambler anyway. He'll yeah. get out and extend P- the play. People, people think that scramblers avoid sacks. A lot of times scramblers run into they sacks. They can't create them, yes. 
just won against Baltimore yep. there. It's right. hard to bring – a lot hard, yeah. easier to catch up to Minshew yes. than Lamar Jackson. Slightly. He, pretty good for a running back. Well, and, that, and one uh, thing Lamar we haven't talked about with Houston is they will run the ball. Mm-hmm. They're fifth in the league in rushing. Right behind the Colts. Behind, with Carlos Hyde and uh, and Duke Johnson and, and the quarterback. So this could be a game where both teams really try to, you know, kind of poke away and see if they can get their running game going and then mix in the passing game. But I think both teams would like to really pound away if they could. And it, Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say this kind of seems – it almost seems like the script's going to be the same as it was in Week 7 where both teams make a point to take away the other team's run game because they've been so successful at it and it's come down to the quarterback and which mm-hmm. team can play better pass defense. I think if you're the Colts and you do that, say, hey, we're going to take away the run game and we're going to take our chances – with Watson, see if our pass rush can get to him like it has really the past couple games. It's been better than it was the beginning of the season. Justin Houston leading the way in that aspect and even bringing Kenny Moore off the edge occasionally. Colt's second best pass rusher there, Kenny Moore. How about our boy, 559 player analyst, Kenny Moore? Okay, there was that stretch in the Jacksonville game where there were like three straight series where he ended it. Mm-hmm. It was a blitz off the corner. It was a open field tackle and there was a uh, down deflection. pass defense. Yeah. It's in his Five nine, yeah. Only because he's got his hair kind of puffed up <laughs> a little, a little bit. There. But it doesn't uh, make Chris Hagen look quite as short when they're. No, when they're Chris Hagen, he, he's short. He's, he's like a he's like a, a lawn gnome. <laughs> I'm I'm one to speak myself, <laughs> but uh, but anyway. I but can't. no, that, that's what it, it, that's you like. I, I like the way this defense is structured because again, you got you got active linebackers. Okariki's playing quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He's settled in at Sam right now. Playing well too. Playing playing very well. And the secondary, while Willis isn't isn't going to play, and he's really really settled in. He's sort of taking snaps from Clayton Gathers. He started two weeks ago. Correct. I don't know about last week. I can't. But, but they've been going with an extra safety a lot. But yeah, you, you're you're going to have Gathers. You're going to have Hooker. You're going to have Odom. Corners. If if Quincy Wilson can step up and play, and be good Quincy as opposed to bad Quincy, it's it's not. It's a defense that can get some things done. Matt and I kind of talked on the Monday show. Marvell Tell's been playing pretty well yes. lately as well for a fifth-round rookie. That's And, and that's, a fifth-round rookie who played safety in college. And a, a rookie who didn't play virtually at all right? the first six, five, six games, mm-hmm. which is why Quincy Wilson was a healthy and then a, or a shoulder scratch. So mm-hmm. so it, it's, it's really interesting. And, again, I just – I, I find myself sometimes falling back into what I expect from the Colts, and it's it's the Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, you know, big plays and, and, and exciting games, and that's not what these guys are. It, it's, you know, the first nine games, there were seven points or fewer, and that's kind of what – that's how this this team is built now. It's built on efficiency, and, and not that we needed – the Miami game and Brian Hoarder to, to, to drive that home, but mm-hmm. how inefficient everything was. Mm-hmm. Every, well, he's 48% passing. Brissett brings that efficiency and the move the chains. Uh, Jacoby's probably 65%, 64% completion percentage. Generally doesn't make mistakes. I hated to see, and it's just a stat, but he had that interception at the end of the game, which it's, just, it's a throwaway play. It was a great play. But stat, but stat wise, it just kind of dulls your numbers because it was he got fifteen touchdowns and is it fifteen and five or fifteen and four? He's got fifteen and four. 
Right. So it, it's it's not a big deal, but he just brings a a uh, confidence and an efficiency and a take the play that's there and occasionally look look elsewhere, which is what they didn't do with Brian Hoyer. So I just I like the way that they they operate more methodically with Jacoby Brissett. And he didn't take the negative plays. You know, we talked about how often he shrugs off the sacks. I remember the one playing the Jacksonville game. He's being taken to the ground and has arm strength to throw it out of bounds. And that's what the Colts have to do for a team that wants to stay on schedule, not get in third and long where they can't run the ball anymore. Some key matchups this week, and I'll, I'll break down, I'll, I'll, I'll start with what I thought was key to game one because it could very well be key to game two, Colts-Texans this season. Um, one was just situational football. And that's, A, defense buckled up in the red zone and forced the Texans into field goals instead of touchdowns. Even though they were there, they were there in the first half. They had the opportunities, absolutely. That's why they beat Kansas City. Yep, exactly. Same same thing. Right. Um, and number two, kind of alongside situational football, was penalties. The Texans had 10 penalties in that game. There were a couple of how that you, one. How do you coach the Colts? I understand how you coach to not get penalties. Uh-huh. But how do you coach getting the other team to have penalties? Because know. I'm telling you, these guys are great at it because how many games have penalties just been overwhelmingly in favor of the Colts? Quentin Nelson just frustrates you. He just buries you into the ground and uh, you you lash out in anger. Uh, so anyway, we, we, I saw somebody was they, they they put a clip together of Quentin Nelson's uh, run blocking. Mm-hmm. They put out on, on Twitter earlier today, and and one of the comments was for all those people who didn't think you should take a guard in the top ten. You know, like you, Mike Chappell. you should change your mind, and I'm still, <laughs> I'm still. If you give me an All Pro guard or an All Pro pass rusher, I'm taking the pass rusher. Mm-hmm. I just am. But I can't deny the the impact that Quentin Nelson has had. Having said that, one of these days when we got nothing to talk about, we need to talk about the non quarterback MVP or in most indispensable player. I still say it's Costanzo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can argue T.Y. Hilton. I can't argue that Quentin Nelson is my most indispensable because I can find a guard that played decently. It's hard to find a left tackle who can play decent. You can get by with that. I agree with you, and I know that there's a lot of people who do not. I saw a Twitter poll, I think, earlier this season that Quentin Nelson won that somehow. Like with, I, did, it was, I, did, it was, I think it was that exact question. And, 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 and it's not meant to be a knock on no, Quentin Nelson. It not isn't. At it's, all. It, it's just that when it comes time to your, Joe's off, like, eh, to your offense. Ways, okay, Nelson's the better play. Nelson's a better guard than Constanzo is a left tackle. I'll give you that. But uh, the left tackle position is more valuable than the guard position. Right. Undeniably so. It's, but that that's not p- – people, people vote with their emotions – and I'm telling you, when, when you're, when you're building a team, it's quarterback, it's pass rusher, and it's left tackle. It just it just is. And then after that, you and after worry that about you, you can you can put them a receiver guard. And the guard's not going to be top five. It's just not. I'm sorry, but boy, when you can get a player of, of his level, I, I I I guess you do it. But I tell you, if I have a chance to get me a stud pass rusher at six. I'm taking him. Still wonder what the Colts would have done there with if Bradley Chubb was still on the board that draft. I, I, I don't think Chris Bell will ever ever tell us, but I bet he takes the pass rusher. 
More key matchups for the Colts Texans this weekend, uh, this Thursday, rather, not the weekend. We're not at the weekend yet. What am I talking about? I'm doing nothing this weekend. I don't know about you. No, I hope not. Colts uh, defense, obviously, you got to shut down Deshaun Watson, um, make him drive the length of the field, um, keep him bottled up, like I said, in the red zone. On the defensive side of the ball, see if you can uh, – that Justin Houston against Laramie Tunsil battle is going to be a good one. Tunsil's pretty good left tackle himself. Um DeAndre Hopkins against the Colts banged up secondary. Uh, Colts he's, really kept him. He's still a quality receiver. Your Holy boy, smoke. he's Your my boy. guy. He's he's again. I with all due respect to, to Ty, if I'm building a team, Ty's number two, right behind, there right you behind go. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Colts wide receivers who are banged up themselves against a banged up Houston secondary. Um, Ty could be back. Paris Campbell, we think maybe another week. Uh, Devin Funches, very unlikely. Uh, we'll probably see him in another week. Or Bones got it all. Bones got bones healed. Got bones got healed. When somebody tells me like last week, Bones got to heal, it means the bone the bone's not healed. No, correct. Exactly. But again, they got to decide. It's by I think it's it's twenty one days from the day you practice, which is next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You've got to uh, decide. Right. And I could argue. I mean, I, I think he had. If they can get themselves, and we haven't talked about it, we, we shouldn't, as soon as this is over, about the AFC South, but if you can get Funches back and then you're going to get Campbell back and T.Y. back, all of a sudden you're right, right where you thought you were going to be in September. So the Colts take on the Texans this Thursday. Thursday night football broadcast in central Indiana on Fox 59, 8 o'clock game time. Tune in at 7.30 p.m. To t- watch the Colts Blue Zone pregame show, Chris Hagan will be live in Houston. Chris Woodlick and I will be back here anchoring our coverage. And in terms of predictions for this weekend, I'll start off. Mike and Joe can follow me. Uh, I have I-, I said last week, and I'm I'm happy to be wrong that I wasn't going to pick the Colts without T.Y. Hilton until they proved to me that they could win without T.Y. Hilton. And they did that and plenty more against the Jaguars, winning by 20 points. The first game this year, another thing we didn't really talk about, touch on, that was not a one-score game, a 20-point game, a three-score game. It was a dominant victory for the Colts. They have the momentum now, even if it's a short week and you're working through some banged-up guys. Both teams are banged up um, for different reasons in different places. I think the matchup favors the Colts, especially if T.Y. can play at all in the semblance that he has in the past with injuries. So I'm going to pick the Colts. I think the final score is something along the lines. And Frank Reich says he likes offense these Thursday night games. I agree. I think about a, I think last time it was, what, 30 to 23? I think maybe 31 to 24, right around that same exact range, a touchdown game. It's still going to be close probably in the fourth quarter. Deshaun Watson keeps it that way. But I see the Colts coming out on top this week. I'm going back and forth. Initially, when I was putting my preview together, I, I had uh, the Texans like 23-17. But I, I'm just—I may change my mind and go Colts 23-17. I just—I—they're not—they're not in awe or whatever the word is of, of playing down there or this big stage if they just run the ball a little. So I, I'll, I'll go since, since you can't erase this after all. I'm going to say Colts 23-17, and we haven't talked about it, but. This is the game that, that really will get them in the playoffs or could keep them out of it because they're 6-4 and four each. Win this game, you've got a two-game lead with five to play. Lose it, and if you end up tied with Houston, Houston's probably going to have the tie breaks, which is division, which they may end up tied, but then it's conference. conference and common opponents, and right. it appears Houston would have, would have the edge. So th- I, I'm going to say that Frank will have these guys ready 23-17. 
I'm going to go a little higher scoring. I got 27 to 24 Colts. I think it's going to be a close one. Watson's one of the better players in the league, and he's been carrying the Texans for most of this game. But I think the Colts, you know, banged up offenses all and all is going to find a way to get it done. A look around the AFC South. It's a pretty short look because the other two teams are playing each other as well. The five and five Texans host the four and six Jaguars. Uh, four and five, five and five Titans. Did I say Texans? Um, whatever. I don't know. They have a double. Head. They really have a short week, don't they? They have to play again. Texans. Uh, yeah, exactly. That'd be that'd be something. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, the resurgent Ryan Tannehill leading the Titans off a bye taking on the uh, four and six Jaguars stumbling out of the gates after their first uh, game since the return of quarterback Nick Foles there. So um, Titans have the momentum. Jaguars probably need a win here if they want any type of hope. Uh, who who do you hope for to win that one? Is it? I'd say pff, I, Jacksonville would bring Tennessee. Yeah. They'd bring Tennessee down one. Yeah. yeah I think you'd really have, it shouldn't matter with the Colts and, and the, we, we, we said right. all along that this was going to be, Houston Indy right. for the division. And it's very it's gonna be very we mentioned mentioned again. It's gonna be difficult as it now stands for the Colts to not win the division and win the wild card because right now it's Oakland and uh Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and you've lost to both of them. Now maybe Kansas City gets into that mix and you've got the, the tie break over them. The bottom line, if if they win I, I saw some stat if if the Colts win Thursday was it 80% chance to win the division? And if they lose, it's like a 30% chance to win the division. So it's 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 numbers, but it's a two if, if they win, it's a two-game lead with five to play. It's a big swing. Big swing in just one potential game. And so you recognize the importance, the magnitude of this game. Broadcast on Thursday night on Fox 59 in Central Indiana. Once again, 8 o'clock kickoff, 7.30 Colts Blue Zone pregame show on Fox 59. And finally, before we go... We are contractually obligated to mention Adam Vinatieri in every broadcast, and so we sneak it in go ahead, here. Joe, go, how, did play, how, did, how did it go last week, Joe? I thought it was great. Darn I'm right. Very happy. Our boy, Joe's boy, my favorite. Another day, another week. But there, like, I'll, I'll say this quickly, honestly, and then then we'll go. There are so many other teams in the NFL that have kicking woes, and even Jacksonville last week they had a kicker. Their guy, he he missed his first field goal he had all year. I mean, I'm watching the Bears on. Was it Monday night? Yeah, and Panero misses. 47-48, and if he hits those, it, Bears probably win. It goes back to, like, Adams obviously not having a year that is up to his standards. I don't think there's anybody else out there. Again, I'll touch on that, and then we'll leave, because we've talked about this enough. <laughs> enough, enough, enough. But I, but I, I saw a story, and I, I won't pull up right now, but this year kickers are converting, 80, I think it's 80%. Field goal kickers. Really? And normally it's like eighty five or eighty six percent. So mm-hmm. it's something. It, there's something in the water. I don't know whether again that some of the better kickers are getting a little older. You know, Matt Bryant's now out of the league, and and Vinny's forty six. Mm-hmm. Robbie Gold is getting older. So, so outside job, of I Justin Tucker and a few he's guys, injured. he's injured. Okay, I didn't know if he was. Okay, I just saw that he was out. Yeah, he's been questionable. I think he's missed the last game or two. Right, but yeah, right. he's injury. All right. Did you look something up, Joe? Um, I was trying to find the kicker stats, but I'm not able to find one for the entire league. Well, you can find it online on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone, when Joe is able to find it. But we're going to wrap things up for now from here. He is uh, Mike Chappell, at mchapel 51 I am at DaveG underscore sports. Joe is at Roto Street Joe. 
And once again, as a group, we are at Colts Blue Zone. Thanks so much for listening. You can download and subscribe. Make sure this is delivered to your device every week, even sometimes on Wednesdays when there is going to be a Thursday night football game. So we hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time on the Blue Zone. Thank you.